When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, Adulting Well listeners. This is Pepper, a.k.a. Joshua, a.k.a. Pepper, here to tell you about Anchor. So we used to host our podcast on another service, and we had this show for maybe three or four years at this point. And we got some metrics and things, but we didn't have a lot to do with them. And we recently switched over to Anchor, and what's amazing about it is it has all the metrics for the show, so you can see you know, how many downloads you get and things like that. But it it also lets you engage with the audience uh, in ways that our old service couldn't. So for instance, we can have polls, we can ask listeners to uh, leave us messages and questions and things like that. And we can uh, put them on the air super easily and answer those questions. Just, uh, that's just one example, but there are just a lot of different ways that we can um, engage with you now that we're using Anchor. So uh this is our first ad, and it's for this service that we're using to provide this podcast to you. And I think it's uh, actually a really, really good service. Um, and if you have a podcast, I recommend it. You can download the Anchor app or go to Anchor FM to get started. Uh, thanks for uh, pausing with me for a second. Now back to the episode. Hello and welcome to the Adulting Well Podcast. I am your co-host, Joshua. I am joined, as always, by Kevin McCracken. How are you, buddy? I'm doing well. Kevin, I think we we should disclaim real fast before we say anything that this is being (laughs) recorded the day after we voted at a point in time in which we do not currently know who the winner of the election is. So even though it will be Biden, we don't know that yet. Well, we know who the losers are, so we'll we'll just just stick with that for now. Carry on. Just know that we don't know what we're talking about. It could be that world could be on fire by the time this podcast is. Yeah, yeah, well. So I am going to introduce Cheyenne So She Love. And um, inhibiting a marginalized identity means working harder to be heard. Queer Wave Coffee, which she is the co-founder of, fights to promote the voices of the marginalized and give space to the queer community in coffee. We're really happy to have you on, Cheyenne. I'm, we've, been, we've been bouncing this for a while, so I'm super Yeah, yeah, excited. no, this is a great, this has been a great, uh, I've, been, I've been waiting for this, actually. I was wondering why it was lagging so long, so I'm <laughs> finally here. People keep saying yes, it's crazy, and then they have these, like, super rigid schedules. <laughs> <laughs> we try to but, save the headliners for towards the end of the season. So totally, totally. Um, okay, yeah. So, so I my mean, check will be coming to my house, or will that be going to? Where's my the check? check? Yeah. yeah, you can have half of everything I make. <laughs> <laughs> half of all we make on the show. Yeah. All of, yeah. So, so I mean, we have a bit of a history that maybe both of us don't even fully remember because it was so long ago. But, um, you know, my bands used to come to Sacramento and play. Your bands used to come to SF and probably Sonoma County at some point, but definitely the East Bay and play. And so we've been at least uh, sort of inhib- inhabiting the same spaces for a very long time. And, um, you know, so maybe just give us a little bit of a background on your experience in, you know, growing up in the hardcore scene, the punk scene, um, you know, and be playing in bands and, and Sacramento, kind of how you arrived there. Hmm. Uh, jeez. So that's a long story. Are you sure you want to tell that? Yes. Where were you born? I was born in Sacramento in 1974. See, that was a short story. Okay, that's it. That's how I. Became- <laughs> <laughs> um, and and then when did and then what kind of were you a troublemaker? Were you a good kid? What kind of kid were you? I was a very. I was uh, wow. I was a very good kid. I did whatever. I, I was under the radar so well. Like everyone thought I was this perfect kid. You know, like my parents, I should say. But like you know, it was just like real. Like I was really good at manipulating. 
and mm-hmm. getting people to think that are my parents, especially that I was like, you know, I was just this great kid. And like, yeah, I, lo- I might look a little weird the way I dress and how I wear my hair, but I'm just this great kid. And they just let me basically do whatever I wanted because I was such a great kid. But if they knew the real stuff that happened <laughs> in, the, in the mid to late eighties and the, the early nineties, they would probably not be so stoked. What happened? Well, um, I experimented a lot of different things. I destroyed a lot of things. I spray painted a lot of things. Um, this is when you started getting into punk music? Um, probably before that. It was before mm. that. So I, was, I didn't know what punk was, but I was definitely punk. Um, so You're just running around town breaking things? Kind of, yeah. <laughs> I broke into a lot of places and... and yeah. So I, I attempted to steal cars at a very young age, but I never. I never Whoa! <laughs> you, know, you see on TV, and they're like, and it's yeah. yeah. Like I would get down there and see all these wires, and I'd just be like, hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so talk to us a little bit about growing up in Sacramento and what your early life was like, because a lot of times the whatever happens kind of informs that like jump into the punk community. Uh, well, actually, it was. Um, it was, I was really into music. That's really, you know, it was more of like, it wasn't a social thing for me at all in the beginning. It was music. I grew up, uh, music was kind of like my, um, my, uh, my safety, my, my safety blanket, you know, as a kid, um, through all the turmoil from my family, it was like music always had, um, a way to comfort me, Mm. put me on the stage as I was like, you know, the singer, guitar player of Def Leppard. Mm -hmm. You know, mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was in the mirror doing that stuff. It was like the biggest, the best escape for me. Um, Still so do like, that. Yeah, I like <laughs> a lot of hard. Like I like the harder music always, and I looked for the more aggressive stuff just naturally. And um, and it was it was interesting to me. And that was you know that was like what, um, like pop rock because that was was on the radio, you know, and that's all we had. Um, so I remember as a kid, really young, going to Tower Records. It used to, you know, remember Tower Records? Oh yeah, of course. Mm-hmm. Tower Records and, um, look at all the music there. And then there was this, this music section that I kept passing by that said indie music. And I thought like, you know, I was like, whoa, I wonder what Indian music sounds like. What is music from India? sound like, that's totally what I would think all the time. But then I remember seeing like some of the images on the, on the record, on the album covers and being like, whoa. Like they're pretty hardcore in India, you know. I didn't know anything that was going on, so I flipped through them, and I had seen some pretty intense uh, 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 art on the records. And I was—I don't know—I was probably about like eleven, twelve, Whoa. or something. And um, I um, I took a chance on one, and it was a, a Dead Kennedys record, oh, and. Yeah. Um, I believe I believe it was well. There were several I had at first, but I believe it was Fresh Fruit for Rock mm-hmm. Vegetables was the first album I got, and I just was so stoked on the name. And then there was also Plastic Surgery Disasters. I had the hand, you know, like yeah. that, like was like really creepy for me and like just kind of scary looking. And I didn't know was is that an alien? What's going on? So I didn't know what it was, um, but I bought that. And for a long, I loved the music. It was like it was it was intense exciting um but i was like why is this fucking asshole singing about you know killing poor people and like i didn't understand that part i'm like are we supposed to be you know i I didn't get the satire at all so i was kind of confused like i like this music you know it's kind of like black metal you know like you like this music but it's (laughs) not cool (laughs) and you wish there would just be something cool but there isn't so that's what i was thinking at that time um, and then um, it, it dawned on me after listening to more stuff. I think Exploited was next. And like, I just started listening to the flag on fire and the flag, you know, all that kind of stuff. So I bought that stuff and like, was just really blown away. Discharge also, Hear Nothing, See Nothing, Say Nothing. That was one of my first albums too. I still have it in my collection. <laughs> um, Amazing. And yeah, I was probably record. at that point. And I was started skateboarding. That was like the thing that was going on at that time too. And I had met some people just at a skateboard ramp. A kid had a GBH shirt on or like a back patch. 
And I was like, whoa, I was like completely blown away that somebody else like knew what I was listening to. And that was like my first. That's the best. Yeah. The half pipe. And, and I was like, I was freaking out. I mean, this kid was in high school and I was like just getting into junior high. So he was just like, you know, oh yeah, you know, I've been punk for a long time. Like, they didn't, you know, it was just like no big deal. But I was freaking out as this kid, you know. So I'd always hung out yeah, with yeah. kids, and that's probably where where all the trouble came from that I was getting into, just hanging out with <laughs> friends that were destructive. Yeah, well, in Sacramento, it wasn't exactly like a low key place in certain areas. It still isn't, but it was. There were some rough parts of that that city for sure, especially then. I mean, it, it was, was it was a ton of white power, a ton of skinheads. Yeah, it was really scary to go to shows. Um, yeah. I remember like really being scared, but going anyway and seeing fights and um, all that kind of stuff. It was, and it was, it was scary to walk down the street or skate down the street. Cause you know, you're just waiting for somebody to jump you, <laughs> which oh, seems shit. weird. That seems like some like New York stuff, right? Like, but it was, it was still pretty intense, you know, back then. Um, this was the mid eighties. This was like, yeah, mid like 80, 86, 87. Um, and then, like around that time, is when I started really getting yeah, in. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there was there was a huge. I mean, the the Nazi skinhead problem in Sacramento. They there was such a big problem up there. They would come down to the Bay Area and to like Sonoma County and just like just to pick fights. I mean, they Ooh. were. It was there was like serious business up there. And my old bandmate Brian, who you probably know, Hodgman Brian Zero, that was in Siren and. Bunch of other bands used to get in a lot of fights with those, get jumped regularly by those guys up in Sacramento. So it was a it was, it was a tough cool. tough scene. There was like all the like you know like the 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 um like the lower middle class areas that were up in the like suburb area of Sacramento, which was just scary. You know, I didn't want to go out there. Yeah, right, yeah, yeah. But, yeah. Um, so, but then you started playing in bands as well. I did. Um, at that time I started like real quick, started, you know, I started finding, uh, like the, the new wave heavy metal, British heavy metal stuff. So I was really into Metallica and really got into that. And that's what made me really want to play guitar really was that. Nice. Um, so I picked up a guitar and I started playing and my, and my dad at the time was just like, Oh great. Now you want a guitar. That's just going to like, you're going to look at it and it's going to collect dust. But that's all I did was played guitar. Like, and I learned, from listening to records and watching people play. It's um, crazy. And for those that haven't seen Cheyenne play, she's a ripper. Oh, so <laughs> no joke. That's um, a very so, like punk thing that I hear. Like I learned guitar by, I would go with my, to shows with my friends and look at their fingers when they played. And then we would like run home and try to do it. Mm-hmm. Funny. It totally like, I could do that for some reason, but I can't like, you know, I don't know how to like, I'm terrible at math. I'm terrible at using my brain in other ways, but like watching that and then taking it back and, and like, it just stuck. And that's how I learned how to play really like yeah. um, a lot of stuff. And um, really didn't get that into my groove until I, I saw Jehu for the first time. And that's when I really started uh, uh, changing what I was playing a lot yeah. and, and in my style. And um, I rip off John's music like crazy and, he thinks it's hilarious, but yeah. Well, so for those that don't know who you should know, <laughs> drive like Jehu and John Reese are like a huge part of Cheyenne's uh, influence. And mine too. Rocket from the crypt is probably my all time favorite live band. I've seen them many, many, many times. In fact, I, my, I, for, I forced my wife to go see them when they got back together a few years ago with Mario playing drums and, just they're just so good live, and they make fun of Florida, which is a fucking shithole. So they make fun of everything. Are you <laughs> that guy is the funniest guy. Like he'll 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 make fun of everything, no matter where he's at. And that's what I, I love. That um, yeah, he heckles the crowd like yeah. <laughs> which is yeah. I don't. He's like the luckiest guy in the world too, as far as like the drummers he gets. I mean, for goodness, like every single drummer that he plays with is an absolute monster. You know, it's like, okay, I don't even know what, there's something attractive about his guitar playing that makes makes people want to play drums. And he's a total sweetheart too. Yeah. Super nice guy and friendly. And yeah, so I could see why I would, I mean, shit, I would love to play in a band. Yeah. 
Well, and I think that's part of the appeal of punk, right? You get you get to meet the people that you like listening to in a way totally. that mm-hmm. you know, in many in many types of music, especially as bands get bigger, it's harder to do, right? And it seems like even the big bands in the punk scene are like hanging out after shows and you know, kind of part of the 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 crowd a little bit. Yeah, man, is- Lars from Rancid bought me and Dave beer when we were nice. <laughs> underage. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably back when he was still drinking. Um, but, um, so, so what, what, I mean, you started playing in bands, what was your first band and, and how did that kind of come together? And, and then maybe let's talk about where you've gone as far as music. Cause you played in some pretty, in my opinion, and I'm quite opinionated, some damn good bands. Oh, thank you. Um, I started playing, um, in a, like my first real like band where we had played parties and sh- uh, started to play shows was in high school. And, um, we were called Malanuma. And we played uh, basically a lot of like adrenaline OD uh, mixed up with, uh, um, I think there were some early dwarves, like that kind of garagey style, you know, style like just really fast, hard, aggressive and dirty stuff, mm-hmm. um, which was a lot of fun. Oh, DRI. Yeah. Then it kind of went to that cross. That was like during that crossover time, you know, like that was really cool. So I started, I mean, that was everything. I liked hardcore punk. Um, and metal. So that was like, you know, that made a lot of sense to me. Um, and then I ended up, uh, in and out of bands here and there. I moved to, uh, in high school, my dad worked for Southern Pacific, which was uh, railroad and they went out of business oh, wow. um, they shut down in Sacramento. So they wanted to move him either to Arkansas or Denver. So I moved to Denver with my dad in, uh, 1990 two and 93 i was there in denver um and i and i played bass in a band called um turnkey which ended up being turning into uh members of christy front drive after after that yeah so um basically what happened at that point was i was on tour with turnkey and um i've known scott uh torgerson for a long time and uh he we ran into each other on tour uh, God, it was so cool back then. Just running like all the bands you played with on tour, like uh, <laughs> early nineties. Like, and just like thinking about it now, like, wow, my heyday was and playing music was when I was like 17, 18, 19. <laughs> played with Hoover and like this, you know, rains like the sound of trains and like all these great bands. But, um, anyway, um, we, um, we ended up, uh, talking about possibly starting a band and, um, I moved back to Sacramento and when I moved back to Sacramento, um, Turnkey broke up and they started Christy Front Drive. And then I went and started a band called Amber Inn with Scott. Um, that was probably, I don't know, Scott's someone to ask. I can't remember the dates, like probably 94 or 5, 94, mm-hmm. I think. Is when we that sounds about right. Playing. Yeah. And I had my, um, my ACDC guitar licks, hardcore licks down. So if you listen to that music, you could probably hear a lot of that kind of like really aggressive open chord stuff and um the early beginning of like the jehu sound that i was starting to like to, to play with and stuff Longfish was also a really big influence i know these bands are like all over the place but like if you listen to it you could probably hear a lot of a lot of that stuff too a lot of Longfish and the old stuff yeah yeah well and and such a, like a that little that sort of like small contingent of people that you were connected with there too, really like were, it was like a super creative time in Sacramento hardcore music. I mean, there were some awesome bands from there. And I know that you were friends with Chris Sanders as well at that time. And just so, so much like really inspired stuff coming. And for me, like there was sort of a sound to it, but not really because like you're saying, like the influences were so all over the place. Like every band had sort of its unique sound but you you all like were doing some really amazing stuff up there and it was so fun to play shows especially in like you know like 94 95 when we up in santa rosa brian and i started siren and we would play shows in like the city at like these like really like strange like places you know like basements or you know these like very rare all ages shows in san francisco at that time with some of the sacramento bands because brian knew scott really well and um and also getting you know brought up there to play shows with you know like jawbreaker and stuff at the loft which was amazing um but it was just like amazing i think about that place all the time 
Yeah. There was like a record store also called the Higginberg mm-hmm. that it was attached to. Scott and I used to uh, volunteer there for a while. And I have all these promos from all these bands, like, uh, you know, promo, like pressing, uh, uh, press test pressings and stuff from all these bands. Cause they would just send them, you know, like send them to right. the stores. And yeah. So it was, that was like a really good time. Well, and it was like, I, it felt like such an oasis in that area, given all the other shit that had gone on the years before to have like a really DIY hardcore scene in Sacramento, like a place to play, you know, and go and not have to deal with a lot of the nonsense, you know, and there was still some nonsense, obviously, because there was some of the skinheads grew up to be in other sort of like clubs or whatever. But um, I just thought it was such a great scene at that time. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm totally loving the, like, you know, we were ch- talking about nostalgia before, but that Scott is doing all these old shirts from the bands. Then I think that carrying that history, you know, whether it's just, uh, you know, if it's nostalgia, fine, but I think it's more of like, uh, you know, just being like, being like basically like tagging the history and saying there, there was an awesome scene here during this period of time. And don't forget it. Tiger trap was from there. I mean, it was a, it was fucking awesome, you know? And there was that connection because I played in bands with, with Brian, who was in Davis and Sacramento. And then Jason Rosenberg, who was in necromancy from Davis. And, you know, those guys were like totally the same, like crossover metal. (laughs) And, you know, so it just was like a really, you know, it was like a good scene. Those guys introduced me to veganism, which was like a, a, kind of a thing in Sacramento too, that we were learning about in Sonoma County. So I appreciate the history. It was, it definitely was influential on me, whether you knew that before or not, but I, I it's, it was, there was just some ripper bands from there. Like, so it was sick. interesting. Like I, I took it for granted. So bad, yeah. you know, back then and just totally. back now, you know, it's just like, wow, like that was, that was really a, a turning point for music and, uh, and just, the fluidity of all the bands and every, you know, that's when everyone started at that time, I would say it was probably about like mid nineties there. It, people were in like five bands. Yeah. Why did everyone have to be in five bands? Like now you're all getting sloppy and you're not very good. And like, yeah. you know, and it, that just started happening. Like everyone wanted to play together because there were so many bands that were doing cool yeah. stuff, you know? So then it, it just turned into that. And then it, yeah. And then people moved away. Uh, yeah. People started moving to Portland like crazy. Um, mm-hmm. Near like 97, 98, people were just taken off up north because that was like the place to go, I guess. And um, it got really, really, really like the music was like so thin at that point. It just turned into the scene just died out because so many people left. Yeah. Um, and the Hindenburg shut down and the, the, the loft shut down. And that was kind of like, that's like the end of the, of the era. It felt yeah, like it was pretty depressing when the law shut down. I, oh, yeah. that was a bummer. And I, I, I can't go on without mentioning Sharon Tate too, because I know Jason, you know, we're still friends to this day. He moved to Santa Rosa as well. So it was like, everybody kind of spread out, you know? And so what brought you to the Bay area? Cause you're obviously in Oakland now, like what was the impetus for that move? Wow. Well, there's there, um, a couple things. Um, I had worked in coffee for since 1993. Um, and I worked for this company called Java City in Sacramento. It was a big corporate coffee roasting company. Um, and I had done all kinds of stuff. And I, I was getting burned out big time after being I was there for 17 years, I think, at that point. Um, and we had, me and my partner had a, had a child, um, that, um, well, I, I, you know, I consider them my child. Um, but, um, I raised, I helped raise them at, when they were about a year and a half. Um, mm-hmm. and we, uh, after about two or two and a half years old, three years old, they started identifying as trans, um, or, or, you know, they, I didn't even know what that was really at that point. Um, I, I, I supported it. I didn't know what it was and I didn't know anything, you know, how to, how to, you know, how to raise a child like this. So we, we reached out for support in Sacramento and um, went to P flag and we went to a few places trying to like, you know, our kids going to start kindergarten soon. And like, you know, we don't know, you know, is this a phase? Is this what, and nobody can help us. Like nobody was able to do anything. And it got closer and closer to, to kindergarten um, time. 
Um, and we didn't want her going to a school that, um, you know, we were just scared to death. We didn't know. Right. So we called around and started reaching out. Um, and me and my partner were like, okay, well, we need to move to a, a town that's a lot more accepting of this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That maybe has some history. So we started searching. And I'm in coffee. So, we, you know, I'm thinking, you know, Portland or Seattle. <laughs> yeah, where we're going to go, you know, because that's where a lot of coffee companies were, especially in Seattle at that time. Um, and I was interviewing and getting ready to leave. And, and I was just so fucking sick of working as much as I was working like 50, 60 hours a week. I was just so mm. burned out and crying on my way to work. It was terrible. And, um, um, she had another child before. So she had been a stay at home mom for quite a few years at this point, almost 10 years. Um, mm-hmm. so she was like, I need to get back to work. So we ended up, um, figuring, well, the Bay area is pretty gay. Like, why don't we go there? Yeah. And so she had a cousin that owned a hair salon. She's a hairstylist. So we just squeezed right in here. Um, we caught up with a, an organization called gender spectrum that gave us a lot of help. And, uh, this was, you know, um, 11 years ago or so. Um, yeah. and they gave us a lot of help and support and we felt like, you know, this is where we're going to be. I, I, and then at this time, by the time we left, um, her and I had a child together. So I was like, okay, you go back to work. I'll stay at home and I'll get like a barista job, like twice a week or something. And just like, mm-hmm. um, and that's kind of what brought us here. Um, yeah. so our kids and me not wanting to work where I worked anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, and I think in, inside that there's a, there's like a deeper story too, right? Because at the time you didn't know anything about, the subject of, you know, transgender or like, you know, how to sort of source that help. Um, and a lot has changed since then for you personally, you know, and your, your, and your other child as well, which is, you know, and it, it's, you know, obviously, you know, and I, I think it's, a it, it's incredibly heartwarming to watch the two of you together and the the photos that you post on, on social media and just the love and sort of the bond that you have is really like intensely beautiful. I mean, it's, it's really amazing. And I actually like kind of re-met you. I don't even know if you remember this at Sarah Kirsch's weekend thing at Gilman street. Cause all the kids were there. My daughter is huh. now 12. Um, and I know Pat Libby and, Um, so the, all the kids were doing like playing and making crafts. And so we were all together at that too. And, you know, I had known Sarah forever. I mean, we, you know, she used to come stay with, um, me back in Santa Rosa, like however, like 25, 30 years ago. And you can see her in videos of like my bands from like Gilman and photos of my bands right up front all the time, because we used to go see each other play all the time. And, you know, that, that was an incredible weekend for me because I got to reconnect with a lot of people, um, you know, and, and, uh, obviously, uh, we're, we're also connected through Megan, um, who you played music with for a while as well. So there's like kind of a lot of, you know, connections there, but maybe talk a little bit about your own, um, kind of realizations around that time and what started to happen for you, because it's, it's a really, powerful story and it's an important story to tell and you know it's part of the reason i've been waiting to get you on the show quite honestly um first of all i do i want to go back and 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 just like say something about sarah too because um i what an amazing person (laughs) you know um i i'd never felt the support i'd ever had from for for what i was doing musically than i ever felt from from her um, she used to just go right up to my amp and just lock it, like just put her face right in front of the amp. And I played loud as fuck. Like I, you know, I, I played really loud and she, just to see her face while I was playing. And then afterwards, just like go on and on and on about it. It was just, it was amazing. But anyway, I miss her so much. Like, um, and how, how we were all kind of tied together in this is, is really interesting. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I think about her all the time. Crazy. I wish I could talk to her. But um, uh, so we, as I mentioned, we had a, uh, a child um, when we moved here. Um, 
who was assigned male at birth. And we moved here before um, she was almost a year old. So we moved here and um, we, after what we had learned from our other child, you know, we were like, okay, like, let's, you know, we're not going to push any gender. We're not, you know, we're just going to, we're going to leave it open, let them discover, do what they want, you know? Um, and they did. And um, as I got older, it really didn't happen until probably like right around kindergarten time where they were so confused about it. Like, you know, mm-hmm. about like, why are like, you know, how are names gendered and how are like, you know, how are colors gen Like they were so like, just didn't get it. It was really interesting mm-hmm. to see, you know, like, mm-hmm. and, and then it made me really realize like how much shit we just put on our kids, like for right. no reason other than to fit into, to uh, colonial like standards or whatever. And I, I did everything I could to like, you know, kind of ease her into that stuff. And she started school and she identified as, as um, a female, but kept uh, her name was, um, was gender, uh, uh, male gendered name. Um, mm-hmm. and she kept it and then she just didn't understand why she had, well, like what well, I would ask her, you know, do you want to change your name? And she was like, I don't, why would I want to do that? Like, you know, like didn't mm-hmm. get it at all. Um, but as I got a few years into school, they realized that, um, they did change their name. Um, it got really confusing for them. Um, and kids are mean and you know, these kids were mean. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, anyway, what had happened was, to step back a little bit as, as I was letting her explore her own self herself and like her own, giving her all the autonomy I possibly could um, in every way I possibly could, you know, and did my best just to keep her safe um, and uh, let her find things out like that on her own um, without my influence, uh, which I always thought like, God, I would have, I would have loved that. As, as a kid, you know, like not being told I can't cry, not being told I can't do all these things, you know, because of my gender or whatever. And, um, or, or, you know, I couldn't play, I couldn't wear dresses. And I was really into that too as a kid. Um, and it was all pushed out of me. But my kiddo um, decided that um, she was just going to be who she was going to be. And I feel really good and positive. I feel really good about that. Like, that feels really good as a parent. And what ultimately happened was she showed me that I should do the same thing and just be, you know, what really feels good to me. Cause I never really felt the, you know, I didn't really feel like I was the person who I thought I was or that I was told I was. So um, it was just one of those things where I learned from, you know, my kiddo. And I think a lot of people do um, good parenting means learning from your kids, you know, like, you know, and listening to them. So um, that's just kind of how I felt. And I like, I never wanted anyone to tell me what I can. I still don't want people to tell me what I can do or or like, you know, that I need to have a certain look a certain way because I'm a certain age or whatever. Like, I just don't, I don't, I don't follow it. I don't buy it. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, I just got closer and closer to, to, knowing myself and um mm-hmm. now i'm presenting now i now i how i want to how i feel yeah and that's i mean <sighs> yeah i gotta i gotta admit i got a little choked up when we talked about sarah because like there was a point in my life where we were incredibly close and spent a lot of time together and um you know because there wasn't a lot there was in the gilman scene there wasn't a, there was a lot of like very sort of ex expected and accepted political stuff in bands, I guess, around like being anti-racist and, you know, like honoring the rules of Gilman Street. But there wasn't a lot of us that were like super hardcore, like activists around veganism and, you know, uh, you know, kind of feminism, uh, you know, giving out literature and going to protest for ACT UP, et cetera. There was that, that wasn't quite it wasn't as quite hardcore. So having somebody like Sarah around in that scene for me made me feel like I belonged a little bit more. Um, So, you know, I got a little, uh, and then when you told your story, I got a little bit again, because I've watched this entire thing, watch this happen for you online, especially, and you've been incredibly honest, which, so when, when I hear 
you're presenting the way that you feel the most comfortable, my immediate reaction is every fucking buddy should do that. Like that should be everybody's goal in life to be 100% who they are. And it's so hard for people to do that. It's so hard. It's so, because there's so many stigmas and so much blatant hatred still. I don't, I don't even like to use the word phobia at the end of stuff because it's not fear. It's fucking, most of the time it's just unadulterated hate. And, you know, so I, you know, we can use the euphemism. It's fine, but I just, you know, I've, I've seen you be very, very outspoken for the trans community. And, you know, and I think it feeds into what I want to talk about next, which is your newest business endeavor, your newest sort of this idea that's been developing around queer wave coffee. And, and I think in my opinion, it ties together all these things so well, like growing up in the punk community, DIY, having, you know, you know, coming to a point in your life where you're like, I can't fucking lie anymore. I got to be who I am. And now this opportunity to really speak on behalf of queer business owners and, you know, involve the queer community in something where the whole idea is community, right. And being like, not just like carriers of a, of a message of hope, but also like defenders of that community. And, you know, you've surrounded yourself with people that, that, want to join you in that. And I like, I can't even like express enough how inspiring that is. Like it really is, you know, as a, as an admitted cisgendered male white, I I am just like, I am completely and totally like so inspired by what you're doing right now, because there's so many things already that you're marginalized with in terms of your, your ethnic background, your, you know, your, your sex, gender, everything around being queer and transgendered is like couple that in with, you know, like a marginalized ethnicity. It's like, like you're the perfect storm of hatred for many of the people who are still fucking voting for Trump, you know? Um, and many of the people that are voting for Biden, honestly, you know, the, you know, the turfs and everybody else. And that falls in that category. And so not to monologue here, but I just, I needed to point this out because it's, it's been, something I've watched very closely online. You see that I comment and engage with your posts because I feel like the support needs to be there from all sides of the community. You know, it's a lot easier for somebody that's um, um, got the privileges that I have to stand back and watch. It's a whole different thing to say, Hey, what do you need for your business? Okay. Yeah. I can print those stickers and how can I be involved? I'm going to buy some of your coffee. What else can I do? You know, and take the lead, you know, that you're, that you're, it's your lead. It's your, it's basically your dance. And I'm, I'm grateful you're, you're leading that dance. And so I just wanted to get that off my chest before we, we moved on. And I know that was a long way to go about just saying, I'm so fucking inspired by what you're doing. And it's so beautiful. It's like, because it's built out of love. And I think that that's like, like what we're missing so much right now, you know? So. Thank you for saying that. Um, I, I truly appreciate it. And, um, that means a lot. Um, I don't even know what to say. Um, first of all, like when you first started talking about um, how everyone should be who they are, how they feel like they, you know, just be themselves. Like, let me tell you, like, you know, people, especially like this, this happens to like a lot of cis people say this, like, you're so brave. You're so like, you know, all these, you know, these things that like to be yeah. who you are, but it's like, there's a point to where, People like myself, like, I, I mean, I wanted to c- commit suicide. I wanted to, like, yeah. you know, I was drinking a ton. I was doing a lot of drugs. I did a lot of this stuff um, to cover up my pain because I was forced into this this way I didn't want to be. Um, and you want to do that, you know? You want to die. So you do these things to save your life. To save my life, I have to be who I am, right? But mm. that fucking makes you want to kill yourself because of the way people treat you, the way you're looked at, the way you're marginalized, you know? So it's, it's not like being yourself. I know it sounds really cool and awesome. And then like, and all this, but it's not easy. It's really, really, really difficult to, um, to, to, to be this, um, you know, to, to be who you are. Um, but I, I, I want to give a lot of like, um, I want to say a lot about my, you know, my heritage, which I don't know. Um, I know 
some through um, uh, DNA testing that they started doing over the past few years. I've taken all of them and they're all pretty much close to the same. Um, and uh, I don't, I don't know past my grandparents. I don't know, you know, um, I know that I'm, I'm, I'm native, I'm indigenous to um, part of me as indigenous to the United this, this Northern America and the other part to me is central. Um, so I don't really, I don't know anything and I don't even know how to look. I've had people try to help me. I've talked to my cousins, people that I do know, nobody, nobody knows. Um, we went through, our people went through a lot um, mm-hmm. during colonization, um, boarding schools, being taught to be white and not, you know, taking away all the, you know, our native, um, you know, how, how could we contribute to, to the white society? How could we, you know, um, conform and, and make people money like, through capitalism. Like how are we, you know, so they, that was really, either we died or they pushed us out or they, 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 you know, they changed us. Um, so a lot of that has brought so much trauma to my family um, that they couldn't even, they can't talk about it. I mean, I, I talked to my grandma once and she just like wouldn't talk. about it. What about on like 23 and me and stuff? Are you getting hits for like, relatives popping up yeah but they're they're very distant and i try yeah, to yeah, yeah. with them and yeah. they're hard to connect with um yeah but we're all trying we're all it's 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 cool the cool yeah. thing about those is that they they keep the information is stored and it's like added to like you know so right. yes every every few months i can get on it and look at it and i can see more relatives or you know people yeah share the same Dude, that thing caused a huge scandal in my family recently like we found out a whole side of my family is not actually my side of the family that yeah i mean yeah all those that happens it's happened yeah yeah uh-huh. <laughs> T- taylor <laughs> met her long lost half sister yeah so. oh whoa yeah yeah so I, I think also when one of the things that brings up for me, and I just want to acknowledge when I say I am inspired by your, your posts and what you've gone through, it's also the honesty around how shitty it can be, you know, mm. and just being honest about that. It's, it's, it's like, I try to tell people that about sobriety too, and it's not quite an equal, you know, sort of, sort of, uh, you know, comparison, but when people are like, oh, I feel so good and everything's so great. I'm like, I think to myself, man, I was so fucked up when I was first sober. Like I, I was so depressed. I was miserable. <laughs> I was not in good miserable. shape. Like, yeah. My mental health. And I, you know, a lot it took of it came years, from chi- actually. childhood years. trauma I didn't deal with, you know? And, but, uh, I, I want to say that when I say I'm inspired and it's great that you're being who you are, I'm also incredibly inspired about the honesty on the, on the not nice part of it. Where you're like, you know, this person completely fucked with me today and I'm feeling totally like self-conscious about how I look and like, because that actually for a lot of people is going to be a hell of a lot more um, helpful than pretending like everything's okay. Like you came out and everything's okay. Right. Like saying, yeah, it's totally fucked up sometimes. And oftentimes it's fucked up for weeks or months at a time. You know, and I think that's a lot of part of what's missing from support for our communities is like making it okay to be fucking sad and making it okay to be fucking bummed out mm-hmm. and pissed. Well, that, you know? that's a great way to dismantle patriarchy. And that, yeah. that's what I, that's how I live my life day to day. And that's what you're seeing is my active, like my existing and making the choices I make and saying the things I say. Yep. And, uh, and just every, my, my, you know, having this coffee company, you know, it's all <laughs> everything in my existence, it's like, that's what I can do. That's how I break down the patriarchy and the, and, and all that, like, you know, white, um, power and, you know, all that stuff. Like that's, that's just how it's done. And I don't, you can't like, I mean, I guess I, that's the only way I can explain it. I guess, like, you know, is that's just how I live my life. And I'm very conscious of it. If I, if I, if I'm having, um, what do you call it? If I'm, um, if I'm having problems, like I'm struggling, um, with vulnerability. Um, if I'm, I'm scared of something, I do it because Mm -hmm. that's how you fuck it up. That's how you, you know, you monkey wrench. The, the system is by showing your vulnerability. We're taught not to do that. 
Totally. Period. We're supposed to suck it up, say, oh, I'm doing great, you know, all that shit. And yeah, I, I just, I, I, I thought about it for years. Like, how do I, how do I, how do I actually do something that's like, you know, going to be, you know, contributing to making a change. And that's, that's, you know, that's how I look at it, you know? Um, yeah. Well, I notice all the, a lot of the nonsense has dropped off too. Like as you've continued to just dismantle and sort of take apart naysayers on, on social media too. Like they've just the trolls and the people that are like, you know, why do you have to be so this way or that have just slowly sort of, they've been kind of like drifting off into the sunset. Like, because one of the things that I think is really amazing, and this is, this is why also I think it's when people are so honest, those people disappear is because if you're going to be unflappable, you got to be unflappable about all of it. Right. You got to be like, yeah, I'm fucking really down and self-conscious today. And like, if somebody says, well, Hey, just put a smile on and you know, like being like, you know what? Fuck you. I'm, this is just how I am today. This is what is presenting itself in my life today. And I've just noticed like when, when sort of like from a couple of years ago to now, like a lot of the shitheads have just sort of dropped out of your life. And, you know, the people that wanted to support you have come forward and it's like, that's how we do this. You know, you gotta, you gotta just keep being yourself until no matter how painful it is until the assholes just fucking go away, you know? And I just, you know, I, I guess I was the guy in AA for many years that would raise my hand and be like, I want to kill myself, you know? And people would just roll their eyes and fuck. And I have 20, <laughs> 22 years off heroin and booze at this point, you know? And because I was able to do that and just be like, you know, my life is fucking shit right now. I feel terrible. There's people in here with like two days that are happier than I am, you know, because sometimes that's just how I felt. Yeah. You know, other times I was like, things are fucking awesome. And, you know, I, I also realized that I had to do a lot more different kinds of work on myself that weren't involved with 12 step and it, it really helped, you know? So I just, you know, like I said, I, I want to hear a little bit, a little bit more about the business. Cause it's, uh, we've worked together already and, uh, you know, I got to do a, a sticker job for you, which I was super stoked to do. And I have some of them, I think they came out really nice, but also like just that you're get you're kind of building some momentum now. So maybe talk about the vision of queer wave and where you see yourself and your partner taking this thing. Okay. Um, well, this is all because of the pandemic. Yeah, really. <laughs> yeah. I got, I got, I had a really, really amazing job working for this amazing company um, in San Leandro called Zocalo Coffee. And they hired me to help them grow their business um, and to help them with marketing and sales and just all that kind of, you know, all that adult stuff, that, that's what we're supposed to be talking about, right? Adulting stuff. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I was happy with that. <clears throat> and then the pandemic hit and there's no, there's no growth. There's no business growth happening now, you know? So I, I pretty much got laid off like immediately. Um, and they actually, I, I like to tell this because this is a, 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 this is very important to me to get this out too, is in all my jobs that I've had, and I've had like executive a lot of executive jobs and in coffee. And um, I just, I get treated like shit and I get bumped mm -hmm. and I get like, yeah. you're no longer needed. Like, you know, that kind of attitude all the time. Like it's not personal, it's business. And I was like, I always hated that. I'm like, it should be fucking personal. Like I'm, I'm giving my life for this, like, you know, and I'm helping you get the money you want or get the whatever, you know, and, and it's just always been like, you know, okay, we don't need you anymore. Um, there's a dead Kennedy song also that talks about soup is good food, right? Like yeah. That song is talking about that, you know, and like, I remember just like, you know, not getting that song until it starts happening. <laughs> you know? Um, totally. And then at my job here, it was the most like, <laughs> this is just a funny word to use for this in a situation like this is like the most humane, <laughs> you know, mm, way to be right. let go. Like it was great. And they're like family and we still are in contact, but everyone else, you know, they just kind of, they just, here's your last paycheck. Bye. You know, kind of stuff. And that really, and that just makes me so angry. Like that's to me, it's like, why do people have to treat me like that? You know? Mm. And, um, Anyway, so I felt good about that whole situation. Yeah. And we're still homies and we still like get together and stuff. 
Um, and you know, six months goes by and I'm like, okay, well, my unemployment's going to run out at some point And I really do not want to get a job somewhere like doing this again, you know? Right. Um, and, uh, I, I went to go get, uh, my friend, um, who owns a, a piercing tattoo shop. I went in to get like, I think I was getting my, my I don't know. I was getting some pierced <laughs> and, um, she was like, so what's up with the coffee stuff? And I was like, nothing like, you know, I'm not doing anything. Like I'm just getting unemployment and just chilling, you know? And, um, she's like, well, you need to do coffee because that's like, that has always made you happy. Like I've always seen you like your, your coffee, like, what are you doing? And I was like, well, if I roasted coffee, Oh, she had said like, if you roast coffee, I'll buy it from you. And I'd had some, a few other people tell me that. And I'm like, okay, well I can go rent, you know, a roaster and go roast some coffee for my friends. They give me something to do. Right. Instead of sleeping until, till one and staying up till you know 3am every 5am every day. So I started, I, I, I wanted to give it a label and, you know, just something cute or whatever, you know, and just give it to my friends. And I started this thing in the coffee community um, years ago called Queer Wave Coffee. And it was basically when I, when I, um, when I came out, I faced a lot of challenges and saw that there were other queer people in the, commu- in the coffee community um that were employed and and i saw i heard i started hearing a lot of like um, negative feedback about like you know misgen people being misgendered bosses not like understanding they're saying you know all this kind of stuff so i started this little organization is totally like you know anarchist style like you can use this logo but if you if you have events with this logo and you want to like you know bring up you know the, the queer community all the money that you make from this you should donate to a uh to some sort of queer organization. And I tried to get this thing going for a long time and it never did. I, nobody really helped me with it. Um, I was, I was doing it by myself, but then when I left coffee, that left with that fizzled out too. Um, but I was really hoping that it would take off <clears throat> at a few events. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. And so I'm like, I have this logo. I'll use this logo and put it on the coffee bags. And then I started looking at, you know, just started thinking like, well, what if I just, did my own like, you know, mail order thing and like started small. And then, and then it just like it, the idea and I just started getting stoked on it. Um, yeah. I, I decided that if I wanted to get into do roasting coffee again, that I wanted to roast with, um, it, get my coffee from a source that I could have a direct relationship with, which I already knew a lot of coffee farmers already. Um, but this one co-op in uh, Honduras, that's called Catracha. Um, and they're a, a woman, um, organized co-op and they're doing so much awesome shit at their place. And I always like looked up to this co-op, like this is the model that like coffee, you know, um, co-op should be more like, you know? Um, and, uh, so anyway, I talked to them and just said, I wanted to use their coffee exclusively. And they said, nobody's ever done that. So I'm basically using their coffee, um, and we have a lot in common as far as, uh, um, you know, the, the way the, the way the co-op works and operates um, politically and all that. It's like the same. It's the same that I would love to do, you know, in a business. So this is a no brainer. So I started I started roasting this coffee um, and uh, it's it's fantastic. And um, I'm <laughs> on the bags. It says, you know, where the coffee's from and, and the people who roast it, the Lenya people in, in uh, Honduras and De La Paz. Uh, and, um, and uh, under the label, we're, we're working on new labels for the bag, for the bags. So that's what, that's the other thing I need to talk about. <laughs> um, and they're got to figure that out. And they say roasted on um, uh, Chichenyo Alone land by queer people. So it's kind of like, finishing that whole cycle because usually uh, coffee companies, white dudes are out there buying and, and, and losing that whole side of it. So I thought like this whole part would be a way for me to get in touch with my, you know, my heritage and my, you know, um, by, by exclusively going through this one farm. Um, and uh, it just feels really good. Um, and want to promote the coffee. I think the coffee industry is all fucked up too. Like it's, it's super like, like, you know, pinky, like, you know, and it's, mm-hmm. 
it's bougie and it's it's elitist and all this stuff and i'm like coffee's for the people um you know <laughs> this is not you know it's just been colonialized so bad and i I'm, I'm paying a lot of money for this coffee for this green coffee because i want that money to go towards what they're doing at the farm i'm not i'm not saying oh i'm tasting the coffee going oh this is a 92 i'm gonna pay five dollars for this like a 92 <laughs> you know whatever i don't like i want what they do and want to and promote what they do and like i think that's the right way there's no way there's nowhere in scoring coffee or where pricing comes from have anything to do with the quality of life or what they're doing at their farms or anything it has that's nothing to do with it it's just pure flavor and i always i mean i love good coffee don't get me wrong like it's not yeah I don't of course but it's like it just there's a there's a big it's it's a big kink in the system and that's another thing mm. I'm trying to do, you know? So, um, yeah, this is basically, um, a coffee company that is made around marginalized people. Um, for those, I mean, for those who love coffee mm. and that are queer and or, um, uh, allies of queer people that want to support this. Um, and also, um, um, accomplices, people that actually get out and do shit, you know, for, for, for marginalized people. I love coffee. How would I get a cup of this delicious coffee? Well, what did you ask? So this happened, like, this is brand new. Okay. So this, we, I had my fifth roast day today. Yeah. I was going to say it's it been like five started. weeks. So we, yeah. our website, like I, oh, the partner that I, that is with me, um, that, that is doing this with me, a really good friend of mine named Sparrow. And they are, um, they're also, um, trans non-binary and they, um, they're, uh, uh, neurodivergent and, um, and amazing person. <laughs> and I really wanted their help because they're, what does neurodivergent mean? Neurodivergence. So yeah. it means that your mind doesn't work the way everyone else's does. It could, right. be, it could mean a lot of things. Yeah, yeah. Autism, yeah. it could be, uh, sure. you know, all these different things, all these labels that people put on you that, you know, sure. whatever. Like, so neurodivergent is like that, you know. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, 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 thank you. Okay. Um, and um, so, where was I? Uh, yeah, oh, they're, they're, I, they're a tech person and I know nothing. The things that always stopped me from starting my own business was like, I don't know shit about a website. I don't know shit about um, uh, money. I don't know shit about like all these things, I have business stuff. But I, I feel like I have a lot of other part of that, like the front end side and less back end. And they totally cover that. Like they're they're great. Like they can get on, fix anything. And so we're working on the website is what I'm trying to say here. It's not yeah, fantastic. So we're just selling through um, uh, PayPal. Um, okay. And if you follow our Instagram, it's all there. It's all there. Yep. So it's a uh, queer way of coffee. Um, that's our, that's our handle. Um, and yeah, it's just there. It's uh, all the coffees are the same price. There's two coffees. We have a regular and a decaf. <laughs> uh, and that's also the other thing I want to do. I don't want to make it. It just needs to be simple. Like this is, we don't need to make it this big. What about for my espresso? <laughs> well, that is that hasn't happened yet, but this coffee you can also <laughs> Joshua. Uh, that is Joshua. a thing because I do want to do some wholesale as well. So um but right now it's just for batch brew and, and decaf. Like I said, we just started. There's all these things we can do. Um we could do retail at some point, but that's yeah. definitely not gonna happen now. Um hmm. right. you know, there's there's just all different ways of things, but I also don't want to do things the 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 uh, cis white guy uh, uh, businessman way either. So I'm thinking of new ways and different ways of doing it. Um, mm -hmm. I know I'm going to have a bunch of people trying to give me advice on how to do things differently. Mm -hmm. You know, always. Yeah, right. And I like, and I'm, I'm, I'm just tuning that out. And I want people yeah. to like just really listen to what I have to say about it. And like, you know, and and if you want to support, you want to make a change and support like this, 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 you know, um, the system, there's, there's ways to do it. And like, I want to partner with other people and they say I'm going to do the same thing as well. Yeah. Well, I think 
just working with you on one small project with this. And we've talked about doing other stuff creatively together, but it was very collaborative and you knew what you wanted and you weren't really going to like, you wanted to like have a collaboration around it. It wasn't like there wasn't a, a sort of a boss mentality, but it was, it was directed. Like it felt like, here's what I want, you know? And mm-hmm. I'm, I tried to find a way to make it happen. We couldn't do it exactly that way. So we, we settled on something, but I will say going back to what you were saying about who you're supporting, you know, the, there's a, and I know that it's not, the the hugest thing in the world yet, but it's going that way. There's a revolution coming around how people buy and, and sort of consume things and companies like yours are on the forefront of the sourcing and creating side of it. And then there's very, there's young people that are buying things that give a shit a lot more than, you know, like my generation. Um, And I care a lot about what I buy, but I, there's a whole new consciousness coming and, I think that your type of business is going to tap into that in a way that it's going to be really, I like, I have high hopes for this, you know, and I think that younger people give a shit a lot more um, than we give them credit for in many ways. And I love that you're honoring your, not just your, your community now, but your ancestors and your, you know, your, your, your community that you're trying to get in touch with too. It's, it's, you know, it's amazing stuff. And I love when people do businesses that are different, you know, and my, my, ours like, is somewhat different, but. This you know, like really that, like, different. how do you know you made it? Like, how did I know? Yeah. You, like, I made it? <laughs> and like, my main, like my thought is like, I want other people to start, like maybe I can make something that will inspire someone else to do something along the same lines. Like to me, that's awesome. With music, I just want someone to fucking hear it, like listen to it, yeah. listen to it. That's all I care mm-hmm. about. Like, I just want, yep. I want it to, I want distribution. I want people to hear it and they influence people as much as I've been influenced, you know, my whole life. So that's like kind of the thing, you know, for me, it's like, you know, wow, like I set out to do this thing to, to monkey wrench a system and it worked, you know? Yeah. That, yeah that's awesome. That's making it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. But I, I like, I don't just wish you the best. I know that, that, the, that these kinds of successes are coming your way. I mean, I, I bought the first batch and I can only imagine that the roasts have gotten even better since then. And it was really good coffee. I mean, I'm not, you know, uh, I'm not even, I'm not like a connoisseur in any way. I mostly drink coffee for effect. I'm not going to pretend that I know anything about scoring or any of that other stuff, but I buy things for effect as well. And, you know, I buy things because what the businesses are doing fucking matter. And, you know, and that's, that's the littlest thing I can do, but it's huge. You know, this isn't targeted towards a coffee connoisseur. Like this is targeted towards people who give a shit and people who want to make a change and people who like coffee. Yeah. (laughs) You know, like, I'm not putting, ooh, we won this award for this coffee. I don't care about that shit. Like, you know, I don't care what anyone, you know. It's for the people yep. and like, that's what it should be. Totally. So we're running up on time, which is amazing. This has gone. So this hour has literally blown by. Like, I'm like, what the fuck? Where did the hour go? Yeah. It's um, one of those. yeah what? Yeah. It totally is. Right. Yeah. And Joshua knows he's going to get a text from me later. That's like, Oh my God. Amazing show. I'm so happy. Um, but, uh, Talk maybe really quickly. Do you have any other projects going? Are you playing any music right now? I know you'd been talking to Chris about doing something. We've been talking, but has anything materialized? I'm in a band called Revolution Bummer, which is, yeah. you know, obviously a take on Revolution yeah. Summer. Yep. Um, most of my bands, I'm always like, rip, like I've ripped off three different names from John Reese's like, <laughs> like songs. Cooper Unison, yep. and I started that band. That's a Jay who's now. Yep. Um, yeah, yeah uh, Dead Seeds. That was a Rocket from the Crypt song. <laughs> yeah. So I just keep kind of doing that. Like, I mean, why not? I'm not going to lie about it. I'm ripping you off. Like, <laughs> I'm stealing your style. Um, but anyway, um, yeah, uh, that band, I'm actually, this is, we just discussed this recently, and I'll go ahead and say it, but um, mm-hmm. uh, our rhythm section broke up from that band a while back. So, we now have um, the drummer and bass player. I don't know if you know them from uh, Replica, who is uh, um, B and um, Alicia. Um, yeah, I think you texted me. I checked them out. 
and I'm super yeah. stoked that we're gonna we're gonna do this. We're gonna release the stuff we already recorded with Jack Shirley um, okay. a few years ago. Uh, it's on tape now. It's on uh, Spotify and and uh, okay. and Bandcamp too. And that's Revolution Bummer. And Chris Sanders plays guitar in that band. No, he sings. Oh, he sings. He that's sings. right. You play guitar. I play guitar. Yeah, I wrote I wrote yeah. the songs. He sings it. Yeah, that's um, amazing. And then we're gonna put this band together. We're gonna do a split with ourselves with the two different rhythm collections. I think is the plan. So we'll have awesome. Yeah, it'll be that. Um, my songs are two minutes long, and you have to have like a hundred of them. So I'm <laughs> just kidding. right up my right up my ADD alley. <laughs> awesome. Um, yeah. And I do some other work too, which, you know, we won't talk into, we won't talk about. I do, I'm starting a, uh, um, I've started doing some um, sex work that has to deal with uh, queer people and finding their identity and their, um, and what feels comfortable to them as well. So um, awesome. I'm doing that. That's what I'm trying to also, all these things are starting at the same time. So um, those are my projects right now. Well, good for you. So um, we'll post some links to the projects, the Spotify link for Revolution Bummer, obviously Queer Wave Coffee. I highly encourage people who care about really amazing businesses doing very different things for the world um, to buy the coffee. You don't have to be a coffee connoisseur. It just tastes good. There's not, there's not a lot of, you don't, I don't need to do a whole review on it. It just tastes good. It brews well. And I, I love the, I love the effect of caffeine. So I'm like, I'm, I'm sold. Um, and then, uh, and then when, as your new projects come up, just send them to us and we'll continue to add links. We love bragging about people that have been on the show. So <laughs> I'm a total braggart. So when you have any of the other projects launched that you want us to also post and link and do all that stuff. So you get more, you know, imprints, uh, let us know. Cause we're happy to do it, but this was a breath of fresh air on a very fucking stressful week. And just thank you so much, Cheyenne, for coming on. Thank you. Thank I you so much. You. I needed this. This is like, like you said, perfect timing. Yeah, totally. And thanks for listening, everyone. <laughs>